the Making Sense of Life podcast, episode 22. According to J.K. Rowling, life is difficult and complicated and beyond anyone's total control. The humility to know that will enable you to survive its vicissitudes. The Making Sense of Life podcast will not only empower you to navigate through a fast-changing world, but also to grow in body, mind and spirit. Inward change precedes outer transformation. As the ancient Greek author Plutarch once said, what we achieve inwardly will change outer reality. This podcast is sponsored by Logos Medical Legal. Sunil also works privately with senior leaders. Go to drsunil.com forward slash corporate to find out more. Hello and welcome to the Making Sense of Life podcast with me, Andrew Horton and Dr. Sunil Rahasia. Sunil, thanks so much for joining us. It's great to be here for another episode with you, Andrew. Fantastic. Okay, now in this episode, we are looking at the concept of stories, aren't we, Sunil? Yes, stories, I think, are, are what make us human. We all love a good story, uh, however young or however old we are. That's exactly right. And I think that one thing strikes me is that a lot of people when they hear the word story can because I remember when they were a child can't they and some of the some of the childhood stories that they used to hear and um I remember watching programs like Jack and Ori and uh listening with mother and on the radio and that sort of thing I heard but what is the story we are telling ourselves yes because although we all love stories there's actually a story or if you like a narrative going on in all of our lives in each one of our minds the way that we interpret what is happening the way we look at the things that have happened to us the good the bad and the ugly uh, and the story that we tell ourselves about what and what has happened or what did happen or what's going to happen has quite profound consequences okay so how does that play out then to know how does how do the stories that we tell ourselves affect uh, you know what we do and that sort of thing Yes, uh, on on the blog we've got um, a, a post called "What is the story you're telling yourself?" and there's a little diagram there called the see do get model. Very simple, but it's not simplistic actually. It sort of says the way you see the world affects what you do, which in turn leads to the results that you get. Mm. So. If you want to change the results in your life, you actually start by changing the way you look at the world. There's, there's a famous quote by, um, I think it's Einstein, who said, um, the significant problems we face cannot be solved at the same level of thinking that we had when we first created them. Mm. So it has to start with the way that you see things. Um, there's there's another famous quote is you know if you do what you've always done you'll get what you've always got <laughs> which is absolutely true as well because mm. if you want to change something in your life then you've got to do something differently but what comes before d doing something differently is actually the way that you look at it uh, and that's actually quite key um, related to something called paradigms okay yeah I've heard of well, I've heard of the word paradigms before but in this context do you want to explain a little bit more about how paradigms fit into this process yeah, sure, Andrew. So paradigm, a paradigm is the way that we look at the world. It's really like 
a mental map it's a it's a picture that we have in our minds and that picture if you like is is part of the story um and what can happen is that we get we can find ourselves stuck in a particular paradigm or a particular way of of looking at things uh and that can have as it were f quite far-reaching consequences i mean let me try to give you an example sure um imagine for example that um we're say um let's, let's just, i'm just making this up so it's completely made up mm -hmm. uh, say say you're visiting say you come say i'm living in in, in a city in um let's i'm just gonna make in let's 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 choose india okay say you come andrew to visit me in the country in, in the country of india yeah. and you come to the city of, of delhi and i'm living somewhere in delhi and you know nothing about delhi whatsoever and you arrive, you get off the plane, and obviously this is before GPS, this is before <laughs> uh, internet days, uh, and all you have is, is, is a map. So there was a time <laughs> when we didn't have GPS and we didn't have the internet. And you've got this map, and the map says Delhi, but actually it's, there's been a printing error, and it's not actually a map of Delhi. It's actually a map of, say, another city. Say it's a, a, a map of the city of Mumbai. Right. Now... I, you know, not surprisingly, you get on the plane and you, you try to, to get to me. And let's obviously assume you, you're not asking a taxi driver or anybody like that. You're trying to make your own way. And not surprisingly, because you've got the wrong map, you're getting lost. Yeah. Now, for the purpose of this analogy, we are in the world of mobile phones. So you can ring me up and you ring me up and you say, Sunil, I'm lost. I can't I, I can't find your address on this map. Mm. But I turn around and say to you, Look, Andrew, what you need is just to try harder. Just work harder. Just work harder at it. So you go away and you try and work a bit harder. But the problem is you're seeing mm. the land in the wrong way. So working harder just means that you'll get to the wrong place quicker. It's the wrong map, isn't it's it? It's the wrong map. So I could say, well, actually, Andrew, what you need to do is you've really got to have. So you ring me up again and say, look, I'm still lost. I say, OK, Andrew, what you need to do is you need to have a, a much more positive attitude about these things. You know, you've got to think positively, you know, don't don't be so miserable about this and saying you're lost. Just tell yourself, I will. I know I'm, I'm going to find a way. But the problem, again, is, yes, OK, attitude is important. We can talk about that later on. But because you've got the wrong map. It just means you'll still be lost. Mm. You'll be happier, <laughs> but you'll still be lost. Mm. So what you actually need is another map. You, you need, as it were, a paradigm shift. Right, yeah. You need to change that map of, of what is actually Mumbai into the correct map of Delhi. And once you then see reality as it really is, mm. you can then begin to make progress. And of course, with a in, in that analogy, which is a good one, Sunil, that... Mumbai would have similar characteristics to the Delhi map, wouldn't it? It would have roads, it would have streets, it would have um, houses and blocks and that sort of thing. But if if it, if it's the wrong, fundamentally the wrong map, doesn't matter how realistic or how um, uh, uh, sort of much it resembles the right thing. If it's the wrong map, then it won't work, will it? No, absolutely. Um, and obviously, we're just giving it a, it, it a simple example. But if you think about in in life, um, it's very easy, for example, to uh, get frustrated or annoyed with somebody. And the reason I'm not saying often that happens is because of the map that we've got in our minds. We, we create a story in our minds yeah. about that person. Um, there's somebody called Stephen Covey who's 
written a book called The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And in fact, actually, as a quick aside, we did actually interview his uh, grandson um, in podcast number... 10, um, wasn't it? Was it 10? I, I, yeah. Yes, you're right, podcast number 10. Um, and he's been a very influential um, teacher for myself and for millions of other people. But he's got this fascinating story about how he was on a on a train in, in New York on a Sunday morning when mm. it was very, very quiet and peaceful. And suddenly this man gets on the train who the man gets on with his with his children. And the moment he gets on with these children, the whole atmosphere changes because these children are running right up and down the train. Mm. And the man who seems completely oblivious to what's going on sits next to um, to Stephen Covey. And all this pandemonium is happening. And while it's going on, Stephen Covey is making up this story in his head. Mm. And the story goes something along the lines, you know, this is such an irresponsible father. I'm sure he he cares nothing about these children. Maybe he's, you know, uh, maybe he's got lots of bad habits. He's he, he seems so irresponsible. This whole story, this criticism is going on. This inner dialogue is going on. Yeah. Uh, and it's sort of fantasizing about what this man is like because his children are running riot. And it gets to a point where it, it's complete chaos and... Stephen Covey feels he needs to say something to this man. So he sort of musters up the courage and says look to him, excuse me, don't you really think you should do something about your children who, mm. are, who are causing such pandemonium here and, 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 such, and, and such a riot here? And the man turns to him and sort of apologises and says, I think, yes, you're right. But we've just, And he tells him one simple fact. He says, we've just got back from the hospital where we found out that their mothers died. And suddenly, that one piece of information changes everything mm. a paradigm shift a paradigm shift so the way that he was seeing the world has suddenly completely changed and before where there was irritation even anger maybe even hostility suddenly out of it's not out of nowhere but it, apparently out of nowhere a great sense of compassion a great mm. sense of feeling you know the pain that this man must be going through, and this mm. family must be going through mm. suddenly just transforms everything the children are still running right it's still pandemonium. It's pandemonium. It's still a complete, you know, mess if you like. Mm. But that little nugget of information has changed everything. Different perspective, isn't it, Sunil? And I know from my experience that recently I've been trying to think, um, or use use the phrase, "everyone has a story," to try and help myself be compassionate or understanding in situations that I think are unfair or I don't understand and that sort of thing because as you say once you you don't know what's going on inside someone's life or in their thoughts or, or in their circumstances and we are we are quite quick to judge aren't we really oh yes just join the club I think we all do it's such an easy thing to do that we you know I think one of our favorite pastimes and I'm an expert at this as well is I look at somebody uh, maybe doing something that's wrong or doing something that I disapprove of. And I'm very quick to uh, judge them on their behavior. Mm. But when I do the same thing, then I will then always have an excuse. Oh, you know, I'm having a bad day or um, uh, I meant to do I, I meant to do better than that. But I just slipped up on this occasion. Sure. Like that. OK, so now so I think Stephen Covey's story is something we can all relate to isn't it how we can all make these these judgments of people based on and the stories we create in our heads about them without actually knowing the facts but that's 
that's how we can view other people. But sometimes we have these stories we, we tell ourselves and that can affect our own emotions, our own behaviour, can't it? Oh, hugely so. Um, so simple example, maybe, for example, I'm at work, I'm at the, the office or I'm out and about and I see somebody who I know and I walk past them and that person ignores me as if I wasn't there. Now, I could make up a story in my head. That person ignored me. They must be really angry with me. They must be really upset with me. Um, they're rude. They're arrogant. And it all may be that they're just so... Or I can make up another story. Or maybe they're just busy. Maybe they're very preoccupied with something. Mm. And maybe that's, that's why they're doing what they're doing. A very simple example. But, you know, this is really powerful stuff because we have stories about life, about everything, about the way we see the world. And those stories can, can lead us to do some really drastic and even dangerous things. If you think about, for example, uh, terrorist acts that happen, mm. someone who does a terrorist act has a story going in there on in their mind mm. about the people that they're going to attack, about what they must be like, why they deserve to die as well. Mm. And it's all a story. So it's all a story that, that's going on mm. in, in their minds. And I know I mean, it's something, as you say, you said it was very powerful, but it, it really can change our, our emotions, our behavior, uh, and, and our future behavior. You know, if we continue to do things that don't achieve the result that they should do, that, 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 that's the definition of insanity, isn't it? Yes, as we said, you know, that definition is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a, a different result. If you want to change something in your life, you have to change what you do, and also, but as I, as we're trying to say on this podcast, change the way that you look at it as well. Mm. Um, but I think, and the other point to make here is that the human brain is—I mean, it's, it's an understatement—is incredibly complex. It, it, yeah. it's, it's the most powerful object in the entire universe, mm. and so when you you program your mind, your your brain with a particular story or with a particular viewpoint then that your mind will then try to reinforce that so to give a simple example if you say to yourself you know um why am i so terrible at maths mm. okay then your mind will start looking for reasons to justify why you're so terrible yeah. at maths if you say to yourself uh, why is that person so rude and arrogant then your mind will start looking for reasons yeah it's, it's what you again the mind is so powerful that what you focus on will get bigger and bigger but it's also the questions that you put to your mind as well mm. um if you change the question as to why uh, or, or how how can i find a solution to this problem or yeah. who can help me with this then yeah. your mind subconsciously will begin to start looking for solutions just obviously you're a psychiatrist so and you've probably seen example serious examples of where this has gone a bit too far and people become ill in, in that sense of, of that obsession of uh, uh, believing almost paranoia in a sense isn't it so what sort of causes people to run this story through again and again and again well I think we're all running stories in our minds all the time and the question is is that story helpful to me or not and how much is it actually based in reality I think one of the one of the sad things that happens is that because we don't communicate, as it were, and again, <laughs> then it's very easy for a story to get 
fixed in 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 my mind mm. and because it's not as it were meeting with reality yeah. it just gets solidified more and more and what you also find which i think is one of the tragedies of modern life is that and you see this in politics a lot is that people have a story about the, how the world should be about where the country should go or what should be a policy on a certain issue but because they're so fixated on a particular story they don't really want to hear the other point of view and so this then you have this as it were talking past each other mm. but not really engaging because if i'm so as it were attached to my story mm. to the point that i don't want to actually face reality then i won't listen to what you're saying or what mm. somebody else is saying because you see, if i listen carefully to another story it will unravel it it could potentially unravel it or it might even mean that i might have to change my viewpoint i might have to change my life i might have changed something i do and if mm. i'm so wedded to a particular story that i don't want to change it then it's far better for me that i, d I don't listen to you carefully now obviously this is going on subconsciously and sure. often we're not even aware that it's happening but i think that's why in politics in religion in so many different scenarios we find people talking past each other and never really dialoguing and i think the tragedy i think in in modern life is that that polarization is is getting stronger and stronger okay so take away from there really is about in terms of story is just to if you if you have a story developing about in yourself about what's happening in your environment or circumstances to share it with someone to, to kind of diffuse it in a sense isn't it what's well, the first step i mean uh conversation and dialogue to, to, to check is what i'm is what i'm i'm thinking is that really based in reality uh, have I, have i gone off track here obviously you need to do that with people who you who you trust and who you're in, in good relationship with uh and who can handle what you're saying as well and that's that that's why relationships are so important that's why we we're, we're fundamentally made for relationships we're not made to be islands on our own we need each other and again in in a in a in a, in a society that's so much saturated with social media and the power of the internet mm. it's very easy to not have that face-to-face -face conversation with that as it were instant feedback and, and and really thinking it through now that sounds like as we were talking about earlier paradigm shift doesn't it if we want to change the story that we're that we're, we're going with that we're perhaps it is affecting us negatively in a sense then sometimes there needs to be a paradigm shift. That can be a, a case of, you know, feeling a bit vulnerable or being a bit open to having your attitude changed. But um, I guess sometimes it can be important to live life in a sense where you're, you, you might have your core values and your core kind of um, beliefs, but you need to be a bit flexible, don't you, sometimes? Yes, uh, it goes back again to being very careful about the language that that, that we use as well mm. so you know uh, a very simple example is you know you can wake up in the morning and say oh goodness i've got to go to work again today mm. oh no you know and you know you can you know you can you can sort of sense it in in in, in the way that i'm deliberately you sort of using my tone of voice there mm. you know what a drag what a chore <laughs> i think i have, might have had that this morning <laughs> <laughs> but a simple change of phraseology from saying oh i have to go to work to i get to go to work or what can i do today or what can i do today or how can i help somebody today mm. you're changing the question you're trying to change the story you're trying to get your mind to create another story mm. that actually it's a great privilege to go to work the fact that i've got a job i can go to the fact that um 
by and large, I, I, I enjoy what I do. I, I see I'm making a difference. I'm, and you're you know, getting paid usually. I'm getting paid to do that. Then it's changing that story. Mm. And again, that releases energy and motivation. Uh, I was going to say of itself, but you know, but it, it's actually just changing the phraseology, just changing the words that I'm using. Okay. Now, we might take this bit out of the podcast, but if you're hearing it now, then uh, we have left it in. And that is, uh, do you know, what about sort of a story like, I really hate doing the washing up, for example. <laughs> okay. So my story to myself is, I can't believe how difficult that is the whole time. I don't want to do it. I, I, it's almost it's negative you know to to do the washing up when we know it's a positive thing because you get clear dishes and that sort of thing so give me give me some give me some thinking on this you know something a lot of people struggle with that don't they you know doing the washing up first thing we all have things that we struggle with okay some big some small thank you for sharing that uh, (laughs) we all have different things and it i suppose first thing is it's as i said earlier on it's very easy to be to be judgmental it's very easy to say and you know, oh, you know, washing up is no problem for me. You know, the guy just needs to pull his socks up and just do, yeah, the, yeah. do, do the washing up, which may be the case, may not be the case. Mm. But we all have different issues. Um, and again, I, without getting too philosophical and getting too deep, <laughs> um, sometimes there are certain behaviors and actions that trigger certain negative emotions in our own hearts and minds. And sometimes we're just not aware of it. Um, and I'm, not, I'm sure this is not the case with you. Yeah. But just imagine, you know, someone who is, uh, every time the washing up happened, they were beaten. Okay. Right. And so there's an association between mm. washing up and getting beaten as a child. I'm just, I'm sure that's not the case with yeah, you. Interesting though. Yeah, I see where you're going. Yeah. And so there is this negative emotion and feeling that, if, as it were, acts as, as, as a block, as a barrier. And if that's very deep rooted and again the other big thing is that if it's never challenged then it gets bigger and bigger in your mind mm. to the point where doing something which for somebody else might be seen very simple actually becomes a huge obstacle and we all have that i mean if, i mean this is confession time isn't it, andrew <laughs> my my big thing has for a lot of my life has been about practical things and the story i told myself for many years is Sunil you're not a practical person and part of that you know when I think back to my early childhood uh, was uh, my dad you know bless him um, is quite a practical guy and growing up uh, and my parents coming over as immigrants from from India uh, one of the big things for many Asian families is is education education Mm. and when I would sort of, you know, I'm talking about, you know, being young, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, those sort of ages, when I would then see my dad doing some practical jobs, I would sort of want to follow him and want to give a hand. But my dad would say to me, no, no, don't worry, son, let me sort this out. You need to get back to your studies. Right. Focus on your education. And I think what that did subconsciously for me is it created a story in my mind mm. that actually you're no good at practical things and that reinforced itself yeah. and what I find myself as, as over the years having to unravel and it's taken time and it takes mm. time is actually no you can develop competence in some of those areas not to say that um, I, I don't think I'll ever be a you know a, a, a DIY kind of person sure uh, because also the other side of it is is understanding 
we're all uniquely wired and we're all different. Mm. Um, but it's, you could see something there that needed to be unravelled. Yeah. And I needed to, to not use that as an excuse uh, to, mm. to hold myself back, mm. as it were. Okay, well that's that's the end of confession time. <laughs> it's quite interesting, isn't it? Still, <laughs> I, mean, I think uh, it's pretty small. But pretty anyway. small, really. Yeah. yeah. But um, just want, just kind of coming into land now, and and, and sort of uh, wanted to uh, move on to perhaps one of the biggest paradigm shifts that you've had and I've had as a, as followers of Christ is is that conversion experience and, and believing in the story of Jesus and and, and his death and resurrection. Wow, yeah. I mean, w w we've gone from the very trivial, in a sense, to to such a huge subject. Yeah, I mean, conversion has obviously got can have a quite a lot of negative connotations. But I suppose if you think about it more in terms of all of us have got habits and things about ourselves that we are not particularly proud of, maybe ashamed of, maybe feel that we've made mistakes or done things we've uh, we've hurt people or said or done things which we which we wish we could wind the clock back and not have done. Um, all of us, you know, you know, I, I don't live up to even to my own standards, let alone the standards that that the God who's made the entire universe in all its beauty and complexity. I don't I don't let alone match up to his standards. Um, if you want, I mean, that is the ultimate paradigm shift, because as a disciple of Christ, what 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 we're saying is that I've come to that realization that I can't please God by my own efforts. Mm. Now, I'm not saying that you can't do good things. We all do good things. But and again, we've talked about this on, on, on another podcast. I think it's podcast number seven. Yeah. On, on religion is that it's very easy to feel that, that God owes me something that somehow or other. I deserve a good life because of the good things that, that I've done. And that if, we're, you know, when it comes to the end of my life, if God was to weigh up my good deeds against my bad deeds, I hope that my good deeds will be more than my bad deeds. Mm. And therefore I will go to heaven. The problem with that is that how much good is good enough? Yeah. And where is the cutoff point? You know, we've, we've talked uh, in the past, you know, if you have an exam and, and the pass mark is 51%, so if you get 50%, you fail, and if you get 52%, you pass. That's all right for exams, but in life that sounds incredibly unfair. You know, I, we talk about a, a Bell distribution curve, and, and we, we talk about that being in terms of goodness. So we have um, people like, say, Mother Teresa <laughs> in, as examples of, gr of wonderful goodness, and we have people like Adolf Hitler on the other end of, mm. of terrible evil. And all the rest of us are somewhere on that continuum mm. between those two extremes. But where do you put the line? And if you're just going to put the line at 51% good, isn't that terribly unfair that somebody who's 50% good should, should, you know, um, has failed and somebody who's got 52% has passed? That, that's, that's not, that, that doesn't fit. So the paradigm shift, in a sense, if, in, in, is really that God doesn't accept me on the basis of my goodness, but my trust in somebody who was good. Mm. And if you like, that's the message of, of the Christian gospel, that there was someone who was perfectly good, perfectly just, perfectly holy. And he lived that perfect life that I couldn't live. And he died in my place. Mm. Um, 
and it's on that basis that I ask God to accept me. So I don't ask God to accept me on the basis of my goodness, because my goodness varies, you know, from one day to another day. Mm. And, and the problem is that when I'm doing well, it's very easy for me to become, as it were, self-righteous and proud and start looking mm. at other people and saying, oh, well, I, aren't I a good boy? I don't do what those other people do. And then on a day that I don't do so well or, or I slip up or I say or do things uh, that, that uh, I'm not particularly proud of, mm. then it's easy for me to then spiral into despair, depression, uh, a completely self-defeatist attitude and say, what's the point and give me up? Well, the paradigm shift is saying, actually, there is someone who lived a perfect life and I know that I'm accepted on the basis of his goodness, not my own. Now, again, it, it's a very subtle thing because the, the other story that, that comes to my mind is you take, t take, take a parent with, with a child and the child one day tidies up the, their, their bedroom mm. and the parent comes and says, well, good, you tidied up your, your bedroom. But the child then turns around and says, well, because I've tidied up my bedroom, that means I can go to bed when I want, <laughs> I can uh, eat what I want, mm. I can do what I like with my life. You now have no authority over me. Mm. Well, <laughs> any good parent's going to say, well, no, that's ridiculous. Mm. Yes, you've done a good thing, but you can't use the good things that you've done as a means to renegotiate our relationship. I'm still yeah. the father, I'm still the parent, I'm still the mother we still have a parent-child relationship and there are still responsibilities. But you see, what we subconsciously do is we play this game with God and we all do, I do it. And, and, and it's a continual battle against that saying, because I've done these good things, therefore God, you owe me something. You owe me a good life. Yeah. You, you, you need to make sure that these things work out. Now they, they may work out mm. and maybe good things will happen, but I'm not entitled to them. And that's the danger, this entitlement mindset, this entitlement story that we can begin to play in our minds. If you've enjoyed today's conversation, you can get all the show notes for this episode from drsunil.com. And could you do us a favour? Head over to iTunes to rate the programme this is by far the best way to get this content into the hands of those who need it most. Also, do you think about who you could pass details of the podcast on to? Don't forget to check out the blog for more great content. That's drsunil.com, helping you to make sense of life in a challenging and complex world. Until next time, goodbye for now. <laughs>